welcome to T21 Mom. Hi friends, it's Mary and welcome back to the T21 Mom podcast and this is episode 108. And on today's episode, I'm talking with my friend Dorothy Gazzola and we're talking about the scary thing of the transition from high school and beyond. But don't think that if your child isn't close to that age that this isn't worth your time. It is. There are things that you could be doing when your child is five, six, seven, and eight to get ready for the transition. And I'm going to put in the show notes a form that you can go through because it outlines everything you need to do. Even if you're not in BC, you're in somewhere else in Canada or in the States or Europe or whatever, there'll be similarities in the things that you need to do in order to get your child ready for the transition after high school because we all know that this is a really scary time. I've heard from many parents it's like jumping off a cliff and there's no safety net and if you're not prepared it can be a really scary time you know for you and your child like going into this next stage of their life. So let's go have a listen. Today on the T21 Mom podcast, I have my friend Dorothy Gazzola coming on today and we're going to be talking about the transition from high school and beyond. Welcome, Dorothy. Thank you. Well, I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. And Dorothy and I, we actually met through our parent support group. We've been Zooming, I think it's been two years now, I think, that we've been doing that, hasn't it? Yes. Wow. It is two years. Yes. Or no, I think it's, it's no, I think it is two. Because we've had the two barbecues. So that's how I keep track. Yes. So yes. Yeah. Which is yeah. amazing. I think it's wonderful. And I, I love, I love our too. little group. So it's, it's I love our fun. little group too. It's, it's actually been amazing. The connection that we all have, which I think is just phenomenal. So. Yes, I agree. And, uh, yeah. We, we all thank Susan, who's been on the podcast a few times. So she's the one who orchestrated that. So thank you, yes. Susan. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Susan Fawcett. Dr. Susan Fawcett. Yes. She now has her doctorate. <laughs> so before we get started, can you share a little bit about you and your little family? Sure. I have a daughter. Her name is Faith. And she is... 19 years old, and she has numerous, numerous uh, diagnoses, including (laughs) the Down syndrome, but uh, she's my, she's the light of my life, and uh, yeah, she's, she keeps me laughing, she keeps me, keeps me getting, keeping my focus on what's important, and yeah, she's, she's a neat little person, so, and she's here to have her in my life. Of course. And she's your only child, correct? My only child that I have given birth to. I have raised uh, stepchildren, but she is my only child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know like you have shared that she also has the dual diagnosis of autism, correct? Yes. Yes. She has autism and then sensory issues and OCD and a whole plethora of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, Graves disease. We just found out scoliosis. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you got a... things that my beautiful little. Yeah. She's go dealing ahead, with sorry. a lot. Yeah, for sure. She's dealing with a lot. Yeah. yeah. No, but yeah, thanks for sharing. And I think it's also good for parents to know that, you know, sometimes it's not, there's also other things going on, right? Like a lot of these True. were just, you know, have been fairly recent diagnoses. Yes. Right. They yeah. are. Yeah. So. The yeah, Graves was last year and mm-hmm. the scoliosis is this year. Yeah. So, so, wow. Oh, no, sorry. Graves was this. Sh- no, the scoliosis and the Graves was this year. Oh, Anxiety that's... was last year. Okay. Full <laughs> <laughs> gamut. Yeah. But she she's a really sweet girl. So that's. She you is. Know. She yeah, really she's is. awesome. Even with everything that she has to deal with, she finds joy in so many things. That's wonderful. Just... That's Awesome. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, when I've been talking to others about, you know, what kind of things they want to maybe hear on the podcast, one of the 
topics that comes up quite often is the topic of the transition of our kids after high school. Because I often hear it's like jumping off a cliff and probably not with a parachute. Mm -hmm. So how has your experience been with your transition with Faith? Because she's 19 and it's a little bit different here in Canada than in the States. Yes. Because how old can we go to school here? Is it till 19? So basically, if your child has been born from January to June, then mm-hmm. it would be a grade, what would be, I guess, classified as a grade 13. However, mm-hmm. if your child was born from July into December, you would be able to do a grade 14 on top of that. But oh. unfortunately, my daughter was not. She was the beginning of the year, so we only got the grade 13. If you include kindergarten on top of it, then it is 14. But mm-hmm. but for those that um, have children that are born from July till December, they would be able to actually access a grade 14. I did not Because they're still know 19. That. Yeah. They're still 18, pardon me, right. during that grade 14 year. So Okay, that makes sense. Whereas okay. with Faith, she turned 19 this year. Mm-hmm. So because the school goes from September to June, right? So you've got September one year and then June uh, June in the next year, she was 19 within that time frame. Mm-hmm. And some kids, because they are in the latter end of the year, they're, they're still 18 and mm-hmm. they're still able to start the school for grade 14 in September being oh, 18 okay. years old. And then, of course, they'll turn 19 by June, but they're able to access. Okay. So parents need to know that because that's, that's something that's not normally mentioned. So I had no idea about that. I only thought we had the one yeah. extra year and Ainsley is a late birthday in November. So she will be able to do that. So she will have be able to access that for okay. sure. So keep that in your back pocket. I will definitely do that. So yeah. how did you find the whole transition? Because I kind of <laughs> think, you know, there's got to be a lot of planning going you know, going into it. Yes. Yes. Well, I have been for the last 10 years on a committee here where I live in the Fraser Valley and it's the Abbotsford Diversibilities Committee. And one of the things that we would do every year is a transition fair in March and it would be the first weekend in March. And we had started, we'd had transition fairs in the past that the school district would run but it was very minimal, minimally, I don't know if that's the right word, but anyway, um, <laughs> attended because of course they would choose it on a, a, a week night and it would go from six till say eight or whatever. And usually that's the time that families are, have either got a, a sports thing to go to or they're cooking supper. And the last thing they want to do is go out and go to a transition fair. So a bunch of parents including service providers. So some Mm -hmm. are service providers and there were some parents and we stressed that parents wanted on a weekend. But of course we ran across all these issues about particularly with government, you know, employees, they don't work weekends. Right. So, but we were determined to let them know that it will be well attended. And sure enough, our very first, which was way back, when was it now? Well, 10 years ago, it it was well attended and they were shocked. They were shocked wow. at how well attended it was. So, um, and, and I think there was one year where it wasn't as well attended as we had hoped, but all the other years it's been well attended. So, Oh, that's um, fantastic. So clearly that's what parents needed. And they needed to have that ability to come and go when they wanted. And it, we just made sure that it was very, a safe place for them to be, that, that the right language would be used. Um, and we encouraged all service providers, which included government service providers to make sure that they're aware of the length, the proper language to use so that these families can feel that they're in a safe environment. So. Wow. I hadn't really ever thought of it that way, but yes, that makes total sense because like for me and Ainsley, it's far off, but it's still at the back of my mind, but I also thinking about high school, which is coming soon. And, and that mm-hmm. kind of terrifies me. Like that's a whole other transition, but yes, you know, you know, I'm, 
I think that they do have some transition stuff, you know, leading from grade seven to grade eight. I hope so, because I am a little bit scared, but I am also nervous about what's going to happen. You know, once school does finish for her, because like all of our kids, it's like a routine. And now it's like it's a whole different world out there. You're not in school anymore. You know, if you're not going on to other kind of education, you know, and I think like for coming out of school, you know, school coming to an end or whatever you want to call it, it's a stressful time for everyone. You know, our kids and the parents, it's like a whole new landscape. Yeah. So how did... And not, and you're forgetting about the the prom and the convocation <laughs> and all that stuff too, right? Mm-hmm. So there's right. all that on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so how did you and Faith navigate it? How did you two handle it? Well, saying that why I was on this committee and being aware of what mm-hmm. was going to happen for the most part, when it came to what was entailed in the transition process. So I was well aware of some of the things that I needed to get done prior to. And I've always been that kind of person. Like when Faith was born, I started attending advocacy seminars because I wanted to know how I could advocate for her in a really effective way. Mm-hmm. Um, so being a part, being, being a co-organizer of these transition fairs, I was well aware of all of the steps that I needed to do. But what I didn't take into consideration was the emotional effect that mm-hmm. it would have on me. And that was the one area that I thought, oh, that was the area that I probably needed to focus on the most. Because like I said, I, I knew what I needed to do and what, what was going to happen in each step but I wasn't prepared for how emotional it was going to be for me. So as far as us transitioning, it's, it's like, a, it's a journey and it's not, yes, you're ending school, but you're starting a brand new journey. And, mm-hmm. and just even the unknown can be a very sort of daunting process mm-hmm. because of the fact that you don't know what to expect. And, and then you, and of course, cause I didn't expect that I was going to have these emotional ties to it i mean the simple like i was procrastinating getting some of the information that i needed to do because i was like i just don't want to do this what (laughs) do you know what i mean but the reality was if i didn't do it she wasn't gonna be well supported and so i had to deal with that and then i i had another parent her child was transitioning and, and going getting his pwd and she had said, I just keep procrastinating doing it. And I said, I know I did exactly the same thing. So it is something that I think parents go through, particularly when you've spent the majority of your last, whatever, 12, 13 years advocating for what they're able to do. Mm-hmm. And now you have to advocate for what they're not able to do. And it's just, a, it's again, it's this shift process, but you have to change like, oh, now I need to talk about what they can't do. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way I'm going to get the supports that I need is talking about what they're not able to do. Yeah. And just having to talk about that, I think, creates this sort of reality, like a sort of a hit, hit in your face kind of reality, like, oh, yeah, my daughter is not able to be left on her own. Right. Mm-hmm. And that for me, that that's the case. She would not be, I can't leave her for five, well, maybe five minutes to go out and water my lawn, but I can't leave her for extended periods of time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and so it's that type of thing that you have to take into consideration right so and not every parent is going to have that with their child with disabilities right some will of course to be aware of that yeah so now the beginning it was tricky but because i had you know the information particularly the checklist that i had and Knowing quite a number of in my area, knowing quite a number of the of the people that were involved, so knowing a number of the service providers, knowing a number of the individuals in the government branch of who to to contact, and because a lot of them were a part of the committee, I had a relationship with them, so I was able to navigate that fairly easily. But even with that, there were some hiccups, and it took. It took some time for me, for the facilitator through CLDC to contact me. And I actually had to go to the top person and say, hey, 
I, I'm still not in contact and don't you do your budget in the new year? And this was October. <laughs> so. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Because she's a January baby. Her February would be the time that they would need to know that we need to have this money for her for February. So gosh, yes. that's when she was officially a 19 year old. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Because they'll go to the end of that, that birth month. Okay. Yeah. That's typical. Yeah. What I've just, I have found for like the different fundings that are available out there. So yes. where do parents start? Because I'm thinking you need things in place like long before our kids finish school. Like when should they begin their transition yes. planning? Well, you'll have some people that are in the transition planning sector of wherever, whatever service provider they are, that will say it's never too young to start. Um, however, I would say that um, allow your child to be their, a child, mm -hmm. <laughs> first of all. Um, but do things like for me, again, I mentioned that I'm one of these ones that likes to get certain things done before, like before I even have to worry about it. So when Faith was born, I got her a social insurance number right away. Because I think at the same time, her brother and her sister were getting there. So I thought, all right, let's, let's, let's do it all in one go. So that's what we did. So I didn't have to worry about that. We did, I think it was 16. We needed to get the, uh, turn that, I'm just trying BCID? to say, BCID. Mm -hmm. Yes. We had to get the BCID at 16. And then interestingly enough, because your child is, is, get it becoming an adult you actually they will actually send a letter to you, the service service bc that your child will be transitioning out of your i guess msp and into their own and then oh, you get okay. a you get a new you get a card for that as well but they will send you something to remind you of that however you don't get that necessarily when it comes to your child with a disability it's usually the social worker that will if you have one. Oh, interesting so yes i know you mentioned about our kids they can go to school until 19. i think mm -hmm. in the states it's it's quite a lot longer it's 21 or 22 even i'm not 100 percent sure on that because i think 19 i sure wish just, it was that way here i know right because 19 yeah seems just so young for our guys you know to yeah. be out on their it own is. Really you know, I, like in my opinion, I think it's important for our kids to stay in school for as long as they can. Like, you know, unfortunately, Faith, you know, she was born early. In Ainsley's yeah. case, she'll be able to essentially go for that extra year, which is yeah, wonderful. Yeah, and because you know, once our kids hit nineteen, like everything just ends. Like all the funding for the yes. therapies, you know, most grants you can only get up to age nineteen. It's really kind of scary because it parents are probably scary. thinking, yeah, like my child might still need, you know, speech therapy or occupational yep. therapy. But, you know, now before they were 19, I had a lot of that covered. And now yes. I might not have that covered. I might have to pay out of pocket. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I, one thing <clears throat> that I didn't know about that I found out actually fairly recently, just this like earlier this summer, is mm -hmm. I know that we have the RESP, the Registered Education Savings Plan. Mm -hmm. And like I haven't put into that because I wasn't sure, like, because I was doing the RDSP, the Registered Disability Savings Plan. But I found out that yes. the RESP, you can apply that towards programs such as at the DSRF, which I had which no idea. That I didn't, I had no idea about that either. Wow. Okay. So I'm telling you something because I yes. thought it was more only like college programs or things like that, that, you yes. know, or, you know, or kind of like a trades program or something like at a college. So I was yes. really surprised to hear about that. And I thought, okay. So I got to get on that, get that going to our ESP because I know for sure we'll be going to the DSRF when mm -hmm. she's older. So I want to be able, you know, for her to go and be able to pay for all that. So, so yeah, I, but can you, I don't think you can still put into an RESP though, can you, because of Faith Sage? Uh, I don't think I can. I know, I think 
one of her grandparents from her dad's side, I think, has done that. Okay. What happens with that money is, I mean, it's on her dad's side. So um, well, I guess they can decide what they want to do with it. But if I had had, if I had known that, I would probably be able to put money into that so that I would have something that I could just like, just take out of when I needed to, when, when I, when she was younger. So, yeah. And I mean, obviously, depending on where you live, you'd have to check to see if the programs that are available to our kids as young adults if that would be right. applicable to that, because I, like, I'm sure it would be, I mean, I guess it has to I'm be sure somehow be accredited or something, but I was yeah. very surprised to hear about it that the DSRF, and I thought that's awesome. So. Yes. I think it's wonderful. I, I, I mean, whatever it, however long, I mean, look, my daughter has apraxia, so she's mm -hmm. going to need speech. Like, I mean, she just is. And right. you know, now with the scoliosis, she's going to need OT <laughs> and physiotherapy therapy so you know like it's like she's gonna need those things so it's 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 yeah it's a balancing act and trying to figure mm -hmm. out you know like what when what's the most important thing to do right now and mm -hmm. then go from there mm -hmm. that's very true so once our kids turn 19 is this where the clbc you mentioned it before it mm -hmm. stands for community living bc comes mm -hmm. involved and I'm assuming each province has their own similar type of body I guess yes yes I'm assuming that other provinces have this that I but I don't know for sure mm -hmm. of course yeah so but I, I mean I'm sure they do I, I mean who else is how else are they going to be able to distribute the funds accordingly and budget accordingly so yeah so community living British Columbia you don't have to go to community living British Columbia, but they're sort of like the offshoot of what the Ministry of Children and Fa Children and Family Services is. It I, I'm getting lost on all these ministries, but anyway, <laughs> uh, Ministry of Children and Youth with with support needs. So if okay. you're under that category, then you would they would give you the information that you needed in order to access CLBC. But prior to doing that, like what I would probably say for our, our kiddos is to, as soon as they turn 16, you contact dad, which is uh, services to adults with developmental disabilities. Okay. And they're kind of like what you would call an administrator of what you need to do in order to, to, successfully transition your child from children and youth services to adult services okay so they they're the ones that that kind of go through that list and tell you you need to get your your bcid you need to make sure they have a social insurance number if your child needs a representation agreement get that done before like get that at least drawn up and then on the day that they turn 19 they will sign it um and we could talk about Mm -hmm. that later but and of course my daughter needed a representation agreement but this the services so it's dad s-t-a-d-d -D, service to adults with developmental disabilities they're a great resource and you do not have to be referred to them you can self-refer so as soon as your kid turns 16 contact that ministry or branch they're 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 a branch branch of the ministry of children and family and uh, okay ministry of children, uh, whatever you know whatever mcfd called, yeah. <laughs> okay children i have never heard support. of them ever yes yes wow and, and okay. this program is fairly new okay. however and again when when they started it it's been on now for the last i want to say seven years but they were they had a what do they call that a pilot project in okay. surrey and it, it went gangbusters in Surrey. And then when they branched it out, Abbotsford was one of the areas. And because we had this committee, we got the information out to our families. And mm. the Abbotsford region, like, like just went crazy. So th they were immediately like filling up like, like that, like nobody's business. And so, so they were surprised the the ministry itself was surprised mm -hmm. that, that community that quick was quickly being told and we, we had said we have this committee that lets parents know what is needed and what they need to get themselves signed up for so 
but definitely when they turn, they, they have to be 16 okay. in order to, to be, to go and access that service. So that sort of seems to be kind of the age to sort of like your jumping off point when to a start lot of getting, stuff. yeah, when you got to start getting really things is. going. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, a lot of things that I've read, like I was wondering, do do our kids in order to get services, do they need to get or in BC? I don't know what it's like in the rest of Canada. A psychoeducational assessment to get services. So from my understanding, field BC needs a fairly recent one. Okay. Now, saying that, my daughter had one. And she'd had one done in grade three and okay. then she had one in grade eight. So just to see where, where she stood within that, you know, within those five years or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and interestingly enough, it was exactly the same. So they just want to know, like, if your child has never had a psych assessment, they don't need to compare. But of course there, because I had the two, I guess it was like a no brainer for them. Oh, Okay. So we know that this is where she's at, but she, so to speak. And so mm -hmm. they knew from that what, what kind of funding she was going to need. And of course, the higher, I guess, the higher level of funding as far as, because she was, of course, you know, below mm -hmm. average. So that's how they know whether or not they're going to need more services than not. So, right. Okay. So well, it kind of helps, it helps you get, get what you need. Okay. So to speak. Okay, that's good to know. I don't even know. Yeah. I don't know if Ainsley's ever even had one. I have, well, maybe when she had her autism assessment. I think they probably ha did one then. But I think it's something similar for sure. Yeah. I mean, because they're, I mean, however, I don't know 100% about that. So yeah. someone somewhere might know. Like yeah. in Ainsley's file, there might be, I, the school would probably yeah. know, would know for sure. So, yeah. Okay. So that's good to know because in the autism world, like I hear about that a lot that they, their mm -hmm. kids need that assessment, I guess, yes. to get their, the, the different types of services that they require. Yes. Now, now for our kiddos yeah. in BC, because for like Faith was on the at-home program. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so because she was on the at-home program, in order for them to get on the, the at-home program, we had to have this massively 10-page form filled out by our doctor and blah, 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 blah. Right. So the cool thing about, I mean, if there's one cool thing about us, it is <laughs> that one last thing you have to do if your child is on the at-home program when you're applying for PWD, which is person with disabilities benefits. So you don't have to do the medical part. Of oh, okay. That application form. Oh, that's good to so, know. Okay. Yes. Um, because we've already done that. That's why we're on the at-home program because the doctor has medically said that they need to be. Ah, okay. That, ma that makes sense. Right? Okay. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So one less thing so, to do. So one less thing. <laughs> but it's still a lot to do. Yes. Like actually doing the application form for PWD is like, you really have to don't do it like, oh, I'm just going to get it quickly done. Like, it's not going to be one of those things. You have okay. to allow yourself 40 minutes, 40 to 45 minutes to complete the application online. Okay. And oh, that's wow. the only place that you can do it. Okay. So, so like what exactly is the persons with disabilities benefit? Is this a federal program or is it? Provincial? It's provincial. Okay. And so it's what can ahead. the funds be used for? So that would this that would be their living expenses. Mm -hmm. So it would include her like their cell phone bill. Mm -hmm. It would include um uh their rent or okay. how they classify it as shelter. Mm -hmm. Um and they it would include like their them being able to access things in the community to pay okay. for things like that okay yeah. okay that's good now the other thing about being on pwd is that there there is no deductible when it comes to medications so their medications are paid for and again with that it has to be in a certain time frame like i, I know with one of faith's medications 
we were too early. So we would have had to pay for the medication. And I said, well, am I able to leave that, that, that particular prescription with you guys and come and get it when we don't, don't have to pay for it? And they were like, oh yeah, sure. So, I mean, wherever it is that, that you have your prescriptions at, depending on how well they know you, they'll, yeah. uh, they'll let you know that, you know, it's, it's all about relationship. Yeah. I know. <laughs> That's what wow. boils down to. <laughs> Sounds so complicated. I know. So if our kids, you know, have a little job, because I think a lot of them do want to work if they're able to, or if that's something that they want to do, does that affect their PWD, their persons with disability benefit? So it it does, except that they're allowed to make $15,000 above, I believe, their PWD. Okay. Oh, okay. So I believe that. Um, I was trying to actually clarify that tonight, but from what I understand, what they get, because what they get, like it's around 1400, right? A month. Mm -hmm. So that, that's way below poverty anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're allowed. And even with that 15,000 that they're allowed and it, and that apparently from what I understand, it changes every year because they, they do it according to the budget. Okay. So that something to be, keep in mind. So it could be raised. It could be lowered. Who knows? Mm. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so you have to, uh, where were we going with this? Sorry. I Just that if they, <laughs> if they work, how does it affect their, uh, person with disability? Declare. Yeah. Okay. That's what I yeah, figured. They would have to declare. And then I guess through that, they would, I guess, advertise it or do whatever it is that they do mm -hmm. and decide what they'll withhold or what have right. you so that okay. they don't go over. So. Yeah, take note that if your child is working and they are getting that, that make sure you talk to like an accountant or somebody who understands that. Yes. Because you don't want your child to be penalized yes. for working. So no. Yeah. No. Yeah. And from what I understand, there's going to, and again, this is just in the preliminary stages, but I believe at the end of 2022, there was the federal government was going to sort of kick in some sort of funds for individuals with disabilities as well. But when that takes effect, of course, who knows? Who knows? So, <laughs> so, so right now they get fourteen hundred a month. Okay, right. And and for so if your and if your child is going to live with you, because again, there's all there's always those types of things that you have mm -hmm. to decide: or is your child going to live with you? And usually for the first few years they will, and then eventually you can either do home share or you can find a whole um a group home that would I don't think they call them group homes anymore, but that they would have living. a place that they would be able community living. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, so they would have that available to them. Mm -hmm. But if you're a parent and at like, like myself, I'm not willing to have my daughter go live somewhere else. at the moment. <laughs> so I, she basically gives me $375 at the maximum that she is charged for rent. And, and of course that's, so that's what she gives me every month. And then I declare that. So, Oh, I see. Okay. It's all on the up and up. Kind of yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I believe that's also going to be increased, which is great news, but I don't know when that will take us back. So, okay. It's all a bit of a waiting game. Yeah. So I know, you know, prior to us chatting today, you sent me a document, which mm -hmm. I think was really fantastic. So I hope that I'll be able to post it in the show notes because I think parents would really benefit from it because it outlines all the things you need to do up to age 19. I found it so informative, even like yes. things at five, six, seven, up to age 10 and, and beyond. Yes. Things yes. that you need to be doing for your child because it's all one step getting closer to the actual transition when they turn 19. <laughs> and it also talked about, and you mentioned it, about a representation agreement and to have one in place by age 19. Yeah. What is a representation agreement? So basically, I can speak for her. Okay. Right? So how the government looks at it, the minute Faith turned 19, if she does not have a representation agreement, they would, they would only speak with Faith and not me, even okay. though I'm her parent. Right. So the representation agreement is me saying, 
yes, I'm her parent, but I'm also her guardian. And this okay. is, and I can speak for her. And, and what I have found, like some people have told me that they've had major issues with certain places because they, they have to have a copy of the representation agreement and so on and so forth. I've not come across that yet only mm -hmm. because they know like, our doctor is, is my doctor and my daughter's doctor. So I, I said to him, do you want a copy of the representation agreement? And he's like, no. So, so thankfully, yeah. you know, but, uh, but there will be places that mm -hmm. will ask for that. So, so just be aware of that. So that also includes medical decisions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's two things. There's a representation agreement. I believe it is called the I get confused with the seven and the nine, but the seven is the medical one and the nine is the one it's, it's either, or so nine rep, representation nine is either for a person with a disability and a representation is medical, but, but the one that you want is the one for disabilities so that you can speak on behalf of them. Okay. Oh, and so, oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. but it would also cover yeah. like medical decisions for them. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And, and the interesting thing about the representation agreement. So for me, I am the main person mm -hmm. on the representation agreement, but I also have three other people, three, two other people below me. So her brother and her sister are below me. If I'm incapacitated to be mm -hmm. able to do it, then they would step in. Um, and then on top of that, I have a friend who checks in on me and makes sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's also, and if she's not able to do it, there's another person below that. So you get all these people that are going to, you know, so there's a number. So the great thing is that there's a number of areas where they're protected. And well, that's good. You, the people that are the representatives are also held accountable. So, because I guess in past there's, there's been some issues, but. Of course. Okay. No, that's good to know. That's excellent yeah. advice. And also, like, as I said, the document you sent, it's very detailed and very specific. Yes. I thought it was really fantastic. And you mentioned this already, for example, at age, it says, I think at age 17 to get the BCID, you said 16, but you can get it at 16. It's just yeah. like kids get their driver's license yeah. at 16. Their driver's license. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, like I had never even thought about it. And also Something yeah. as simple as opening a bank account. Yes. Yes. So that they're ready to start receiving yes. their, their benefits. Their PWD checks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because, and that, and the other thing too is, um, that document that I sent you was, was created by a mom, um, who was, uh, I believe she was doing her master's, mm -hmm. um, uh, her name is Bonnie Hayward, and she lived here in Abbotsford. And she was so gracious and said, share it with all everyone that you're able to share it with. Mm -hmm. And um, the unfortunate thing is I'm, I'm not in contact with this woman now, but her name is Bonnie Hayward, and she spent time, a um, um, number of hours putting this document together. And it is so thorough and so important and because she goes through everything and even provides like the websites and, and the, mm -hmm. the URLs in order to, to, you know, easily access it. So yeah, it's a, yeah. it's an incredible document. Yeah. So I'll definitely post it if I'm able to figure out how to attach the, the, yes. the link. But, yes. Cause I did think it was really a fantastic document. And even if you're not in Canada, like if you're in the States or Europe or wherever, mm -hmm. you can still follow it along. <laughs> because it's very detailed and it would be follow something very similar to what you have where you live. But it, yes, it, yeah. Like I was surprised at a lot of the stuff I go, Oh, I never even thought about that. Like, like opening up a bank account, hadn't thought about that or hadn't thought about yeah. ID. So, yeah. uh, one of the things, so one of the things that I noticed in the document is that it really stresses the building of connections, like your social network. And I've always felt that this was important because we all need a sense of community. And, Absolutely. you know, obviously things are, you know, going to be different depending on where you live. But I also mm -hmm. feel like it, it's just never too late to start. Like that document gives you very specific things to do at certain ages. 
Yeah. You know, what's your thoughts about that, about like creating your community? I think it's a very important step. I know for one of the things that I had always right from the beginning when, when Faith was born, I, I knew that I needed to work with the people that were working with her mm-hmm. and not come on the offensive, but to just <laughs> have that, uh, you know, have that, that look where this is, where, this is a team, right. And, and, and who are we benefiting here? We're benefiting this, this individual right here who mm-hmm. needs the support, right. Mm-hmm. As far as the social that was really tough only because of the fact that my daughter has apraxia and is, it has the autism and it does create a little bit more of an interesting kind of dynamic. Mm-hmm. She doesn't quite fit in with the, with the Down syndrome community, so to speak, when it comes yeah. to having lots of communication and that type of thing. So that is the harder part and, and the part that probably I lack when it came to social friends for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did really concentrate on working with those. Like I did that all through school. I've done that through the government uh, services. That's part of the reason I was on that in Abbotsbury because to me, it was important to make connection with mm-hmm. the individuals that could possibly be working with my daughter. And, and, That to me was going to be how I was going to ensure that she was going to get what she needed. And, and honestly, it's not a hard thing to do when you start to get to know these, these people as people, like Mm -hmm. sure they're they're a service provider, but you get to know them. You, you, you start to see, oh, I didn't realize that that was such a thing, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like, the social workers are always talking about, you know, that they get, they get, they get chewed, their head chewed off because they haven't been in contact. Well, the, I, being on this committee, I've found out that, that their, their, their caseload just gets higher and higher and higher every year. Mm-hmm. And there's no new staff being included into it. So, you know, the more I can be of a help to help them know more about faith so that they can get her what she needs. And to me, that's the most important thing. And so building, building that community around you, because again, when you go into the adult world, if you have, say, a micro board, which, which Bella, um, Bella Canada does, mm-hmm. um, it, it's, again, it's a community of people that are close to that individual that can make sure that they're getting what they need and the support that they need. So it's like a little society, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the minimal amount of people that can be in this, in this society are five people. So you, you, oh, you wow. need to, yeah, you can't have just two people. It has to be at least five. And each person has a role to play in that person's future, so to speak. So, you know, you've got that. Or you've got, here's another one. There's, it's called a path. And the acronym is, Planning alternative tomorrows with hope. Not my favorite thing to say, <laughs> like, but a path. Yeah. I can say that, right? And the great thing about a path, um, the schools, I, I know here in Abbotsford, they embraced that and they use that for all their resource students. They all get a path. As soon as they get into, I think it's grade nine that year, the whole team that works with that individual is a part of this path and they all have their individual things that they need and accountability to do what they need to do in order for them to get to the end result which which can be anything and they have their north star and there's no limits in the north star like if Mm -hmm. they say they want to be a doctor you put down they're going to be a doctor (laughs) and because always there's going to be something that's going to come out of that right Mm -hmm. so because it it could just be because they have a jacket or they have a clipboard or they have something. So find a job where they can have a clipboard. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, it's the coolest thing. And then with the path, so you've got your North Star, all, like limits if they want to travel, if they want to own their own home. Being on PWD might be a little bit of a limit, but we won't <laughs> talk about that. And then, <laughs> but, but if they wanted to do all those different things that, 
you, 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 that is their pot, that, that is what they can do. And then they have another circle, which now becomes sort of that path, right? So here's their, their, all their dreams, their hopes and dreams that they hope to do. And then you take the positive and the possible and you put that in. And then you go backwards and you figure out, okay, so where do we, in order to get to this positive and this possible in five years, what do we have to do to do that? And then they, and then there's another section in two years. Like, so it goes, it goes two years, five years, positive and possibility. And then okay. what you have to do is what are the things that we need to do in order to get to this two year mark and the five year mark and who's going to be those people. So do you have a column of who that's going to be, what needs to be done two years from now, this is what's going to happen five years from now. And that the positive and the possible is going to be this. So the positive and the possible could be that they want to have a job at a, a dairy queen. Mm-hmm. That could be, that's the positive and the possibility, right? So, so there's, so there's many tools that can be used. CLBC loves paths and microboards because that's everything's laid out for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I myself did not have a path or a microboard. I totally believe even them and I think they're amazing things however my daughter is one of those individuals that it's it's she kind of when she's ready she's ready and I didn't Mm want to plan too far ahead and because I've noticed that with her she changes in where she's at so do I think that my daughter is going to work in the next couple of years no do I think that my daughter might have a job when she's 30 yeah that's a possibility so I'm just going to allow her that mm-hmm. ability to get to that point. And that's really the best way to kind of deal with those types of um, future endeavors. Yeah, it's so much to take into consideration. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners, if, you know, who are going through this or approaching going through this? Well, there's so many things that I could say, (laughs) but I will say this. I'm pretty sure every community, particularly in British Columbia, and I'm sure even in the States, they have these transition first. They may have a different name for it. Mm -hmm. Attend them and don't, and start attending them when your child is maybe in grade six or seven to kind of figure out, okay, what, what is out there and what's the possibility and then attend every year. Because there's going to be something else that you're going to go, okay, now that I know what's going on here, now I want to go see this. And the way that we would do the transition fairs in Abbotsford is we would have service providers provide five-minute kind of presentations. And then and we would have maybe 10 service providers provide their thing. And then we'd have tables of all the other, other service providers that didn't necessarily do a presentation. And then people can approach the tables and figure out, is this something that might work for my child? And so attend yearly for the, okay. for the, like their teen years, for sure. Mm-hmm. Attend every year for attend a transition fair. Get to know who, I don't, I mean, I don't know what it's like in the States, but here in Canada, they're social workers. Mm-hmm. They build a relationship with your, your social worker. The squeaky wheel gets, gets mm-hmm. the oil, right? But do it in a way that you're, you're, approaching it as this is a relationship, not me nagging you. And, and really that's what it boils down to just saying, Hey, listen, can I come in and see you and figure out what, what, you know, what programs might be accessible to my child so that, so that I know where to send them. A lot of, a lot of government programs know of other programs that they Mm -hmm. can actually refer them to. So do those kinds of things. And in that type of situation, you're building your community and you're mm-hmm. building the relationship. And, and yes, it is a very frustrating thing for us to continually have to advocate and, mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes not be the most pleasant person in trying <laughs> to get the information across to the individuals. But once, once that relationship is built, they will listen. They will hear you. I mean, I remember being in a meeting one time and this is, this was before Faith was, I would say she was probably in grade seven at the time. And in this meeting, it had to do with transitioning children to adult. And these two service providers were saying, you know, I don't get it. You know, these parents that were such advocates for their child, 
in, in, the, in the school years, it's like they've given up, um, you know, when they become an adult. And I remember just sitting there looking at them going, oh, see, they just, <laughs> I had to say, listen, I said, I need to speak to this. And, and I basically said, I said, I'll tell you something. They've spent the last 14 years advocating for just to get the minimal amount for their child mm-hmm. in the school system. And they're now exhausted because they're also 14 years older. True. And so, and, and when I said that to these two individuals, they kind of looked at me and went, I never thought of it that way. And I said, there's always a bigger picture yeah. in any of these situations. And I say that also to the parents, there's always a bigger picture for the service provider. So just have an open mind. Yes, there are some frustrating things that end up happening, but do what you can educate yourself mm-hmm. to know what needs to be done so that when these types of things arise, you can have the questions that you need and say, well, what about this? What about this? And mm-hmm. I heard there's this. And, and, and that way you're also letting the service providers know this isn't somebody who's just, you know, yeah. twiddling their thumbs and expecting mm-hmm. things to be given to them. I mean, I haven't met one family, I'm sorry, I just haven't, that is not trying to advocate for their mm-hmm. child with what capacity that they have. have they yeah. all are. So. Yes, I totally agree. Like if you kind of go in with a, like at least something, then they know that yeah. they need to provide something for you. you yes. You know, and to not be a pushover. It's hard. And like you said, yes. it's exhausting and it doesn't end once high school ends. It never, no. In fact, it's, it's, it's a very different dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's different and it's, it's tricky at times. However, uh, once, and I've heard this from other families that went through and are now like their child is, 10, is now 10 years older, so they're in their 30s. And they, they all seem to say they're in a groove now. So Good. once they get into that groove, and I'm sure that happens before they're 30, but, but I, I'm just using that example for me, mm-hmm. for, for my daughter, because that's probably, that's, that's my goal as far as where I want to see Faith, but know what she's going to do and where she's going to be. So, but yeah, as long as you just have an open mind. Exactly. Oh, Wow. Dorothy, thank you so much for your words of wisdom and encouragement for the parents out there because I'm looking at the parents like you who are ahead of me on this journey to find out what I need to know going forward. So I really appreciate your time and and your wisdom of of sharing your experiences with faith and, and I'm very appreciative of that. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate just being asked. So thank you. This was a lot to take in. You know, I try to read up on things. And even though Ainsley is only 10, soon to be 11, you know, I thought I knew a lot of what was coming down the road, but I didn't. So, you know, I think it's really important to, you know, really prepare yourself. And also, of course, prepare your child because it is a big life change for everyone. So some of my takeaways, number one is like I just said, you're starting a brand new journey and you know, we really need to focus on when our kids transition out of high school, but it's also really important to be prepared, be prepared for the emotional side of things. Like as Dorothy said, she wasn't prepared for that. And I hadn't actually really thought about that. You know, we're, we're so focused on the goal, but we sometimes forget, you know, how it affects us and how also it affects our kids. And number two, uh, this is something that I feel is just so important is, you know, get involved and get to know the people who are making the decisions for your child. I just think it's so important. I mean, I, I'm sure we all know it. It's about part of advocacy because those are the people that you need to talk to. Those are the people that you kind of need to have in your circle. And number three, and obviously this is going to differ from depending on where you live. And I believe in the States, as I said, 
during the episode that I believe kids can go to 21 or 22. And I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but we are going to have someone on, uh, in coming down the road who can talk more about the transitions in the U S but that here in Canada, that our kids can go to grade 13. And what I didn't know that if you're born in the latter half of the year from, I believe it's June onwards or July onwards, that they can actually get an additional year. I guess, I think it's July onwards, like Ainsley. She was born in November. So she won't turn 18 before the end of that actual grade 13. So she'll be able to continue on for an extra year, which is really fantastic. I had no idea about that. And, you know, and some of the things that I thought was really interesting was one of the first things to do is get your child's SIN number. And in the States, that's uh, your social security number because it's just so important because it's tied to so many things. And then at age 16 to get their government ID or their, you know, some kind of identification. I hadn't even thought of that, how that's important. Also like getting a bank account set up, all of those things. And one of the things that I also thought was really important, and obviously this will be slightly different depending on where you live, but in Canada is to get a representation agreement in place. These are so important. And as Dorothy said, her daughter signed it on her 19th birthday because it's so critical that it's signed on the day of their birthday, because then you can also speak for them. Uh, you know, if they're not able to, like, I don't know what's going to happen in nine years with Ainsley, but you know, if I feel that that's the best route to go, which I it probably will be, is to get that representation agreement in place. Very, very critical. And, you know, I mean, Dorothy talked about all the different steps and things that you need to, to take. But one of the most important things, like number six, is make connections within your community so that your child can get the things that they need, like build that community around you. I know at times that it is just so exhausting and can be hard, but get those experts in, you know, in your circle, but also other parents as well, because they're going to know people that you need to talk to as well. And, you know, where we can help each other. It's just so, so important. And, you know, one of the things, because which Dorothy talked about, and this is number seven, is the transition fairs. I have never heard of them. So I'm certainly going to be asking about them this year because Ainsley's in grade six. And she said to attend the fairs yearly because things, you know, are going to change from year to year. Don't go like the year before your child's going to transition because go when they're a few years ahead of your child uh, moving out of high school because then you get to know the people and that's part of building your community and helping to sort of build your circle of influence essentially get to know those people and number eight what I thought was really interesting is you know building relationship with your social worker I know we have a social worker don't know their name because they've changed I think we've this third one we've had in maybe four or five years. But I realized like they're kind of your stepping stone to a lot of things and they'll know a lot of people. Again, you know, building your community that they're one of your key people in building your community. So there's just so many things to take into consideration because this is a major life change. Don't forget that. It's a major life change for your child, but also for you. Because what are their plans? Are they going to go on to, you know, some kind of schooling? Are they going to live with you? Do they want to live on their own? You know, there's so many things to think about at this point. Obviously, you know, as they get a little bit older, you know, most of our kids will probably stay at home for a few more years, you know, but maybe they may want to move out on their own. And so how is that going to look? How do you plan for all of that? So so many things to 
take into consideration. It can be a, I think a really stressful time, but I feel if you're prepared, you know, not waiting to the last minute, uh, to get things done, that it won't be as stressful for you and your child in this big change in both of your lives. So, you know, so click on the, the link that I'm going to have put in the show notes. So you can see a lot of the things are repetitive for each year, but you know, it just lets you know that you got to get these things into place, but it's a great guideline and, you know, I'm sure you'll really benefit from it regardless what age your child is. Obviously, if they're probably under age of five, I don't think you need to really be thinking about it right now, but you know, even from ages five, six, seven onwards, you got to start thinking about those next stages of life that they're going to go through. So thanks for listening to the T21 Mom podcast. And as always, I would love to hear from you. I would love it if you checked out my somewhat new t21mom.com webpage. You can leave a message there or you can even leave a little voice message. I would love to hear from you. And, you know, especially let me know your thoughts on today's episodes or, you know, what you would like to hear in any upcoming episodes because I'm always looking for new ideas for different episodes. So uh, keep on loving on your rocking kiddos and I'll see you next time.